With over a million merchants, Shopify stores come in all shapes and sizes. While we don't have actual statistics on this, I'd venture to say over half of Shopify merchants are running their business part-time, and that includes myself. This week on the podcast, we're talking about side hustling on Shopify, how to balance a full-time job with running a Shopify store, and how to scale your business while keeping your time commitment low. We also speak with Melissa Lorenzo Rebe, an entrepreneur who is doing just this. Let's dig in. Welcome to Commerce Tea, a podcast to help you succeed on Shopify. I'm Rian. And I'm Kelly. Grab a mug and join us as we talk about all things commerce. merchants get more out of their Facebook Messenger and SMS marketing campaigns? I recommend Octane AI, the leading Facebook Messenger and SMS platform for Shopify and Shopify Plus merchants. How does it work? Using their built-in flows, conversational ads, and retargeting campaigns, you can easily unlock Messenger and SMS as new revenue channels. The platform has ready-to-go integrations with top apps such as Klaviyo, Privy, Recharge, and Justuno. What kinds of returns can I expect? Merchants using Octane AI report 80 to 95% open rates, a 7x increase in click-through rates, and even a 7 to 20% increase in revenue. This sounds great. Where can I learn more? You can start a 14-day free trial by requesting a demo at octaneai.com or by visiting the Shopify app store and searching for Octane AI. Good morning, Rian. Good morning, Kelly. How are you? I am doing great. I spent the entire weekend listening to Taylor Swift's new album, Folklore. And what are your thoughts? It's amazing. I love it. I love Taylor Swift because every single album she puts out is different. Yeah. She's so versatile. She really is. She's so talented. She writes all of her own lyrics, which I absolutely love because, you know, there's much more meaning to each of the songs. And she's just, I don't know, I just... Everything is great. Folklore is a really good album. It's, it's a really good album. Also, it's just a little intimidating, you know, the whole, like, what are you doing over this pandemic? Oh, you know, I'm just writing and recording an entire album. And it, a fully produced, like. Fully produced. <laughs> but I expect nothing less from her, I guess, so. I have an admission to make about Folklore. Yes. Um, two things. One, I learned how to play the one on piano and the drums. Love it. Two, I bought a cardigan, like from the song Cardigan. You did. I did. I did. I bought, and then I bought vinyl in two different colors. I love that. And I'm not at all surprised. I kind of wanted to buy like the, the, the pullover that they had. It was like available for one day. And I, I'm so bad at shopping online. Like I, I, I have trouble spending money. It, well, it's fair. It, as I think we've talked about before on here, and if we haven't, now you all know. If it's later at night, um, I, I make <sighs> purchasing decisions I wouldn't normally make to a point where my husband and I have developed a rule called no nothing after midnight. Because if you buy something after midnight, you'll either forget about it or it's, it, may, it may be more of a... Uh, impulse buy than a really that you need buy because your inhibitions are already lowered because you're tired so that's right i i love that i I love that you had to implement a rule well because we were just getting so many boxes and we're like what are these boxes i think our neighbors think we we are baddie so i have one more thing to talk about with taylor which is kind of funny miss swift Um, so the same day that Taylor launched her new album on Spotify, she launched a store on Shopify. For people who get Spotify and Shopify confused all the time, it's a funny thing to see. And I, I know the, the Shopify Twitter account was you know, making jokes about it. Also, Shopify and Spotify did their earnings calls on the same day, too. Just upping the confusion <laughs> we weren't it. already confused and my i've look i've worked on the platform for going on seven years and my mom still sometimes is like so how's things with spotify going i'm like well it's shopify still and <laughs> i've been asked to create many spotify stores yeah yeah although now now that's an integration i could get behind what if there was a merch store integration directly from spotify into shopify oh there absolutely should be like that would be a wonderful integration product idea 
for those listening. Somebody make it. Someone make it. Uh, someone from Spotify or Shopify, probably. <laughs> maybe work together. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe we we're gonna take a step back from that uh, and let the the big bosses handle that relationship. But I think it would be great uh, to they be able to create a new startup and just call it Spotify. Spotify. Ooh, we'd get IP uh, takedowns from two places. <laughs> it's a different business. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that seems like an IP nightmare, but what do I know? I'm not an attorney. <laughs> I just hire them. <laughs> they just represent me. Good. So That's the way it's supposed to be. So we're talking side hustles today. And I and I wanna say one thing, and that's I don't like when side hustle is used as a pejorative. Because I think that side hustles are really good and can also become something full-time. My company was a side hustle to start with, and now we are most certainly not a side hustle. And I think in tech and in uh, the DTC space, there's a lot of like, well, if you're not doing it full-time, like it's not legit, but I totally disagree with that. It just means Agreed. that you're not taking venture capital, so you can't just uh, you know, go into it full-time. That uh, Often we see people bootstrapping who are side hustling. And I love I love bootstrapping. That's what we did. That's what you've done. Yeah, exactly. There's and nothing there's nothing that makes you a less legitimate business owner because you're not running your business full time. That's yes. just stupid. That is so stupid. So Kelly loves side projects. I do. My friends joke that I collect LLCs for a living. That's fair. I create a lot of companies. It's like that. I'm like that with domains. I've got a few LLCs. I got like two LLCs. Oh, my domains. Yeah, my my domain list is literally just like my to do list of side project ideas. Yeah, yeah. I I just pay twelve dollars a year for them. Yeah, I know. At some point, I should be like, you know what, Reen, you are not starting that company that you thought was funny six years ago. All of mine are like jokes too. Like funny. Oh yeah, I was gonna do like. And, and there's a company that already, or like there's a website that already does this, but I wanted to create a website that does filler texts like Lorem Ipsum, but for cat, like for kittens. And I was going to call it Lorem Kitsum. I love that. So I had the domain. It's just Mew 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 the whole time. Hiss. Mew Mew Mew. Step on table. Get in your way. I want that food. No, I don't. <laughs> Claw your furniture. Oh, look, a bird. All the things. I... So this is totally a sidebar, but I fostered kittens during quarantine. I've fostered five so far, and four of them were bottle babies, and I did a really great job of adopting all of them out, two of which to my mom and dad. And um, the, those two kittens, from they, they were born in a dumpster, bless their little, their little hearts, and they um, like to drink human drinks, including coffee. And any, if they see an open container, they and I'm, if you've never seen a kitten try to, try to drink, they just drink by dunking their whole face in. And so <laughs> my parents have two kittens who are just running around dunking their faces in beverages all day long. <laughs> normal. 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 I think you should do your, your kit some idea, by the way. Okay. So, I but will what, add it to my What list. are your current side hustles? So currently, I have this podcast. I have another podcast that's called the Ladybug Podcast, which is uh, me and two other women in tech talking all things tech, career, and code. And then I have two Shopify stores. So that's why we Not get one. relevant back to you. <laughs> yes, I have two Shopify stores. So the first one is a merch store that I created. I'm a developer, so I decided to create a bunch of merch for developers. It's all print on demand, so I'm not doing any of the shipping or packing or anything like that. Um, I'm creating the designs and the, I'm using Printful for fulfillment and it works great, super easy. The second one, it's a little bit less traditional of a Shopify store, but I decided to do it anyway because I only use Shopify for everything. <laughs> um, my pandemic project was writing a book. Yes, and I decided to write a book about freelancing because I started freelancing when I was 14 years old and did it for a very long time before I transitioned from being a freelancer into running an agency. So I wrote an ebook about how to get started with freelancing. It's called Start Freelancing Today and Rian very kindly edited the book for me because I sometimes struggle with words. 
Kelly's so. great at words, but she does love idioms. I do love idioms, exactly. Um, so I'm running the the ebook uh, on Shopify as well, so you can purchase the ebook. And I'm using um, the Send Owl app for digital downloads, so it'll automatically send the send a zip file to the customer as soon as they purchase it. That contains like a PDF, EPUB, Mobi format. I think there's one other that I'm forgetting. Um, and yeah, it, it works really seamlessly. If an order comes in that's marked with uh, like high chance of fraud, it doesn't automatically fulfill the order. Instead, I get an email saying, hey, you might want to check into this, and then you have to manually approve the order. So I run the, both of these Shopify stores. <laughs> Anything else? Um, I also have a Patreon that is basically like a community extension for uh, Start Freelancing Today. So I have like a Discord server that you can join um, get access to private channels. I do one-on-one coaching through the Patreon as well. Um, I also do. Uh, I also do uh, consulting on the side for oh, merchants, yeah. for agency owners, um, and that is available through my own personal website at kvlly.com. Um, and then I do the tap room. So those Just are all of my things. Casual, casual uh, question: When do you? sleep you know what I get a good six and a half to seven hours of sleep every single night okay okay that's, that's like great. my limit I can't sleep in past like 6 30 6 45 and I usually go to bed somewhere between 10 30 and 11 so that's that's not bad it really uh, isn't bad no I love um, to sleep I am in. I'm thankful that I don't have other responsibilities I don't have kids I I'm only doing things at home right now, so I don't have the outdoor responsibilities either. Um, so it definitely makes it easier for me to be able to balance so many things. For sure. That makes a lot of sense. So, okay, question. So you got all of these irons in the fire, so to speak, speaking of idiomatic phrases, and how do you manage customer support? Because customer support is paramount, right, to running any business. It is. And I would venture to say that, you know, I don't get too many emails for the merch store. Um, Most people who buy from my merch store are following me on Twitter or find the products on Twitter. So they might just like send me a DM with a question. It's rare that that happens. Maybe once a week tops. I get more emails about my book, though, Um, in Mm. which case maybe one a day, maybe like five times a week total. Again, it's not it's not. A terrible lot. Um, so, But that does mean that I need to spend some time on the customer support side of things. One of the things that's made that very easy for me is putting all that information front and center on the website, on an FAQ section. Mm. One thing you'll notice about the Start Freelancing Today website, it is one single page. So you don't have to browse very, you know, various pages to find the different um, information. Everything's on that one page. Um, for the merch store, I have a separate FAQs page just because there's a lot more products on there. But most people are able to get their questions answered right away because that information is always immediately available to them. I, I think you just touched on something super important, and that is with customer support and and trying – it's not that we don't want to talk to our, our customers or our merchants, but it is important to serve to them what they probably want to know so they never have to email you. And it, it makes a huge difference in their interaction with your store or your app or whatever it is that you sell online. And that's something that we have, have found is having an extensive FAQ, knowledge base, all of that stuff. Uh, it's like, okay, people, you can always tell, and we, we track metrics on how many, you know, what pages are getting looked at. And then, oh, if people keep looking at this, does that mean the inside of our app or like if you have a, a, a product, is there something UX wise broken? or not totally intuitive that requires people to continue to look at this specific FAQ. Why is that? Exactly. And I think I like that kind of insight uh, because it can make you make your site and product better. For sure. I also want to take a moment to plug one of my favorite Shopify apps, which is called Gorgeous, uh, G-O-R-G-I-A-S, and we'll link to it in the show notes. This is a basically an all-in-one customer support solution. So you get questions on Facebook, 
um, on Instagram, you get emails, you get phone calls, you get contact form submissions, live chat, whatever, wherever those questions are coming from, you can answer all of them all under one roof. What's really cool also is that it can automatically pull like customer data. So if somebody sends you an email saying, hey, where's my order? It'll pull up the order information and you can automatically create a response that contains like their shipping, uh, their tracking number and things like that. Um, so you always have that available to you. I think I haven't personally used it for my own site just because I've noticed that the customer support uh, requirement has been very limited. Mm -hmm. But once you find that you're starting to get more and more questions and it's harder for you to manage all of that, definitely look into using something like Gorgeous. And this is not just for like a side hustle kind of business. It's like enterprise brands are using Gorgeous. So it is a, I, I just, I can't say enough good things about them. That's, yeah, I, I've heard nothing but great things about Gorgeous as well. But I love automating things in general, and customer support is great to automate as much as you possibly can while still creating that personal touch. So we didn't create this podcast to talk about me and my million side businesses. So I think this is now a good time to introduce our guest for this podcast and, and hear about her story and how she manages running her business while she has a full-time job as well. Today we have Melissa Lorenzo Hervé, a legal editor at Thomson Reuters by Day and Entrepreneur at Night. Melissa, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on Commerce Tea. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I live in Marblehead, Massachusetts, which is just a little bit north of Boston. I'm from Miami. I'm Cuban-American, like most people from Miami. Um, <laughs> I went to law school at Penn. I went to undergrad at Amherst College and lived in New York for a while, which was my dream since I first visited the city when I was seven years old. Um, I had my daughter, then I had my little boy, um, and worked at law firms for a few years, then went into legal publishing, which is what I've been doing for over 13 years now. And I love what I do at Practical Law, which is part of Thomson Reuters. I publish legal guides. I update them when the law changes. I work with a fabulous team. Um, I love that what I'm doing gets to tangibly help lawyers and, and save people so much time and get up to speed. And then I've always been into fashion. I've always been obsessed with dresses and fashion magazines and different styles from different eras. And so I created this line of wear anywhere dresses, um, all made in New York in the garment district. And I just wanted to solve this problem that was bothering me. And that was women missing out on things after work because they weren't dressed for that event or that going away party or that spontaneous mm. get together. And um, a few years ago, you might remember, we were hearing a lot about pay inequity, women making so much less than men for the same amount of work for the same amount of time. And I was seeing a lot of time inequity. I was seeing, I was a mom already and I was seeing women missing out and just spending more time getting ready to leave, to go to work and getting ready to go out after work. And so I thought there's a way I can design a dress based on this shirt dress I had and based on the man, the typical men's uh, shirt that he wears to work, the button down and make a really refined version of that. And make it so that it's classic and you can wear it today, tomorrow, in a few years. And so that's what launched this whole idea to create pirouette and to create a line of dresses that are transformers in a way and that adapt to the woman's style, whether she's wearing it to work or whether she's wearing it after work or on the weekend to an event. I absolutely love that. I think I think that's one of the best ways to start a business is there's a certain problem you have in mind and what is that problem you're solving? And it's amazing. Like, how did you learn how to make dresses? I'm still learning, actually. I grew up, um, I wish I had a sewing machine. I could just push them out all day. I grew up with a <laughs> grandmother um, who had her little Singer sewing machine right next to the kitchen counter. So every day after school, we'd go to my grandmother's house who lived just a block away. Um, my grandmother grew up very poor in Cuba, very poor. Um, 
if she wanted, you know, a dress, she basically had to make it. And so she would tell us about looking at dresses in the windows in Havana. And then based on how the drape and the fabric was on the mannequin, she would then buy the fabric and recreate that dress without a pattern. Her and her sisters would make these dresses just to have something to wear, not even something fancy. And so when she came as an exile to New Jersey and ended up working in factories, she ended up learning more about sewing with different machines and getting access to more fabrics. And so growing up, she would make us Halloween costumes. She would take in the hems for our school uniform skirts. And so she would make quilts and blankets and all these little things. And so I just grew up seeing it without learning how to do it, but understanding a bit and then also being very short myself and, um, very petite, I constantly had to go to tailors to have things taken in. And there you learn a lot when you see what the tailors do when they add darts in the back or, you know, different things they do to make a dress fit you. And so that helped me learn a bit. And then just reading and digesting as much as I can from fashion magazines. Um, I learned what works and what doesn't work and the lines that look best on different body types. And so I really didn't know much at all. I had no reason to go into this, but I thought, this problem isn't going away. It's not just for me. Other women need this. We would save so much time if we had dresses that we could just keep wearing to more than one occasion. And I was always very attracted to that whole Marie Kondo mindset of having things that make you happy, but that are multifunctional, that have more than one purpose. And also, I think I had some closet envy just looking at my husband's closet and <laughs> knowing that what he has in there could work for anything. And, you know, women, sometimes we open our closets and we're like, I have nothing to wear, even though there's like 80 <laughs> things in there. So, Spot on, though. Like my husband's like my husband's side of the closet. He buys button downs for, you know, every occasion anything. and his are perfectly separated out, like with an yeah. inch apart. And really, it looks so good. And then you look at my side of the closet and it's just like just a mishmash of everything and like yeah. this tiny little section for dresses that are mostly not for everyday occasions. So right, I'm right. going to be doing some shopping. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing that we're sold to in a way that's very different from how men are sold to. And that bothered me a lot. So I thought, no, we deserve this too. We can have a dress version of that button down shirt, a really well-made version using like really, really nice fabric so that you feel good and it's almost like the alternative to a suit sometimes. You feel like when you're wearing a certain power dress that you could just take on the world or just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, kill that presentation or, you know, make sure that when you walk into a room, I think this is also important for minorities and for women who are on the shorter side of town like me. That's a big deal for us. We need to wear something that gives us that extra boost of confidence and that's going to present us in the light that we want, you know. Um I one time was mistaken for the delivery person at my firm in New York because I had my coat on and my hat, I guess. And the secretary thought I was delivering lunch because I was holding my lunch. And I'm like, I work two floors above you. I'm an associate here. And so <laughs> it's just it's just this remind. It's crazy. Right. But it's a reminder that we're being judged by how we look and we're sometimes judging ourselves by how we look and we need to feel good about ourselves. And sometimes just having that right dress on that fits well and looks great can give us that boost of confidence that helps us do what we want to do in the way that we want to do it. I, first of all, that, that sucks that you've had that experience. I just, I do want to acknowledge that you're like, she's shrugging, she's shrugging her shoulders. It's so much worse for so many other people, like so many other people had worse experience, but I just remember that specific moment because it was so weird to me, right? Like, I guess all these other things don't count if I'm carrying a brown bag and have a winter woolly hat on with my blue pea coat. I guess I look like the delivery person to you because of my height. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the question we're all asking. <laughs> yeah, you're what like, I went this? to Penn. I went to Penn. right because I don't have it written on my forehead. You know, like, like a lot of women have that kind of right. They walk into a room, they have those stories, and they're asked to like go get the copies, and they're like, "No, I'm, I'm on this deal. I'm not the secretary. I'm not the intern. Like, I'm here to edit the." you know, merger agreement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because I'm a woman doesn't mean that I'm just, you know, assisting someone else. So I have a question for you. I, I, we've talked a bit about how you design your dresses. What is your supply chain like? I know you say that you're, you're made in New York. Can you walk yeah. us through how you got from concept to product? Sure. And 
I think the main theme here will be hashtag slow motion startup because it took me so long to figure things out since I don't come from that world. I didn't go to FIT. I don't have friends who graduated from Parsons, right? I don't have that big network. Now I do, but back then I didn't. And I was working on the east side. And when you're launching a fashion company, it's a much better idea to work on the west side because that's where the factories are. That's where the textile mills have their reps. So I was basically taking the seven train across town during lunch so that I could meet with someone who would be willing to sell me fabric or someone who would be willing to create a sample for me. So um, I guess to make it a super, super, super short story, I had this idea. I was talking to friends about it. Um, One of my friends works at a small consumer-driven VC uh, firm. He recommended I speak with someone else. That woman is a serial entrepreneur. I joined her boot camp. Um, There I met other people who were trying to launch a fashion-centered company. And then one of those women used to work for Macy's and Tommy Hilfiger. So working with her, I was able to meet with and figure out how to draw, you know, how to create the first template. Um, Actually, the person who made my wedding dress made our first template, made our first sample. Then I had to remake it. And basically someone said, follow the crumbs. So basically by talking to more people, even people who weren't in fashion, I was able to meet more people who could guide me and say, well, meet with this person or go talk to this person. He does samples for these brands. And then someone from law school recommended I speak with her friend. That woman is a production manager. I ended up hiring her and she introduced me to a lot of other fashion people, textile reps, and then little by little, putting the pieces together and getting the first template done, making all the samples, and then creating more versions of those samples in local New York City factories. Um, So my supply chain, you couldn't really say it's very direct. It's like, I found this mill in Italy. I love their fabric. Let's import that fabric. I found this sample maker. Let's send the fabric to that guy. And it's just like little by little. But, you know, days, sometimes weeks apart, because I have a full-time job and two little kids and commuting from Manhattan to Hoboken, back and forth every day. So it took a long time just to get it started, just to launch, just to create the website. Everything took so long. I love that hashtag, by the way. Can you say it one more time? Hashtag slow motion startup. It just occurred to me the other day, and I feel like that's what I'm going to start mentioning when people are like, oh, when did you found your company? Oh, I've had it for a while. Yes, but I've been doing this in slow motion. Like, yeah, and I think that's actually like, what no one of the one of the things we talked about with Yelitsa on our previous podcast episode that we often see when businesses take off and expect them to like have always Overnight. been like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's so much work that went in on the background of just getting to where you are today that people just don't really respect, I guess. Like there's not so much there's not enough focus on all the hard work that goes into building a business. We're only looking at like now we're like a so-called overnight success. Right. And and consumers and people in general, the media, you know, they are interested in that BTS, right? That behind the scenes story. We should be talking about that. Founders mm-hmm. should be putting that out there. But then there's also this, you know how there's this hustle porn, like there's this almost like glorification of the don't sleep and drink your lunch and, and work yes. all the time and, 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 and then raise your friends and family around. And that doesn't apply to a lot of people. We can't think that that's, you know, there's just one avenue to success or there's just one avenue to scaling a company. You know, there are a lot of great ideas out there that are not going to launch with a friends and family round because the person who's building that company doesn't have that type of friend and family. Exactly. Um, right. Or even how to pitch and all that, or, you know, have a Kickstarter campaign. That was something that people recommended to me. And I was like, it sounds like a third job, actually. I can't have a Kickstarter campaign. I'm just going to use part of my salary to fund this. So um, it's it's something when I think about slow motion startup, I think about how I can just help other people understand that there's more than one way to do this, right? You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to have friends and family around. You don't have to immediately seek VC funding if you have a good idea that you want to test or that you want to maybe launch a direct-to-consumer company or something like that. For sure. I have a question about how you manage fulfillments. So I know, you know, we've talked a little bit about the supply chain. So on the other side of things, how do you manage the fulfillment process? This is so funny because yesterday I got an order and I went down to the basement to fulfill that order. I basically, <laughs> I basically have in my basement racks and racks of clothing. And then I have bins where they've been put into poly bags by the manufacturer, by the sewer in New York. And so as soon as I get an order, I just go 
I use Shopify, of course, thank God they're like the best at everything. And so that, that removes, you know, that size from that inventory. So someone else can't order it, but then I just go and I pack it up myself and um, print it out and drop it off at the post office or at the UPS. That's a few blocks from my house. Eventually, if I, if I should say when it gets too big and too busy, then maybe I would have a third party shipper. Um, But I'm nowhere near that that point yet i'm packing everything up myself and shipping it off and including a little note and um hoping it doesn't get returned because it fits just right let's talk about that little note yeah those are one of my favorite parts of receiving a package from a company it's like a little a little handwritten touch of like a thank you have you always done that always always done that signed it myself i want them to know that the person who made this is the one who's sending this to you it's you know in purple ink usually because that's the same color as our logo um I didn't even do it originally as a a branding idea I just thought oh this is nice I'll just include this um and yeah you're right it does resonate when I've received things like that I almost feel like oh wow almost as if a celebrity had signed the note the person who founded this company (laughs) sent me this and um the reason I was doing it and the reason I keep doing it is because I want that person to know every single time I want that woman to know you're the only woman in Illinois with this dress. You're the only woman in Switzerland with this print. And that's special. And that's another value. And that should be something that you know about so that when you wear it, you have that extra reason to feel good about it. And it's true. It's, it's a big deal to me that, you know, I can produce as many as I produce and people are used to this mass merchandise world where Oh, the size 10 in Navy sold out. When is it going to be back in stock? Well, it's not going to be back in stock. When they're gone, they're gone. And then I'll move on to other fabrics and other prints. So you need to know that when you get something from Pirouette, you're really lucky that you were able to be, you know, one of the three people who could have that dress in that size because our runs are just so limited because that's what I can afford. I can't afford to go to India and produce thousands of every piece and every size. I love that. I love buying things that are exclusive. I that that yeah, at do. the risk of sounding <laughs> Kelly's laughing because I I'm I'm really into fashion, um, and I I love having something like when I go to a conference when conferences mm-hmm. come back like I will wear something I know no one else is going to have on their body because mm-hmm. I just I, it's something that I really enjoy and I like. Mm-hmm that is part of my, I don't know, personal brand or it's just an aesthetic Mm -hmm. that I, I really like. Also, I do want to call out the fact that that shirt dress has pockets. I just want to say that out loud because that a dress with pockets to me is the perfect dress. (laughs) 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 Otherwise I'm like, where's my phone? I have to wear a handbag. There's so many things. So I just, I love that shirt dress. I also wear a lot of black. So I'm like black shirt dress. Yes. That's that's very much on brand for me. Right. Well, I was so obsessed with getting the pocket to be where you didn't know there was a pocket unless you use the pocket. It's like invisible and and functional. Cause sometimes there's like a fake pocket, you know, in a dress or in a skirt (laughs) and you're like, that is the why is it here? worst. Yeah, why? <laughs> why did you tease me with this non-functional toddler pocket? What am I going to put in here? A crayon? One quarter. <laughs> quarter. I'll put a quarter in my little fake pocket. So if I pass by a gumball machine, I can take out my quarter. That's exactly it. You never see men's jackets or pants with fake pocket. Like, here's your decorative pocket on your left butt cheek. That never happens. <laughs> But for women, it's like, we're going to put a cute little pocket over your right boob. Isn't that cute? <laughs> no, take the pocket away then if you're just going to put it there. You know what I really got into pockets? No, when I really got into pockets after I had already made a few dresses is when I learned about the feminist history of pockets and how they were illegal for a long time in England and in other parts of Europe. Because if you were a woman, nobody, men, didn't want you to have a way to carry political pamphlets or information. You could be a spy if you had something in your pocket. So if you were a woman and you were carrying around money or whatever it is, poison, whatever, you were going to carry it in a way that was visible in your purse so that if the police or anyone stopped you, they could look inside your purse, right, without touching you. 
there weren't any laws against men having pockets. So men were able to be spies and have papers and money and stuff on their person. But women had to always have it in a separate thing that could be taken from them. And once I was hearing more about that, I was like, all the more reason why we need to have pockets. My phone and my credit card and whatever I want is in my pocket. Your vial of poison. I'm just kidding. Vial of poison. (laughs) My Hamilton papers, my political pamphlets, my mini version of the Constitution. I want to hide it in my pocket. You won't know about that. Oh, I love the thought of having a pocket constitution, just like ready to go. Be just like, wait, what yeah, Here's my bill of rights. Let's see if you misread my Miranda rights when you arrest me. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing the history of pockets with us. I actually didn't know that, and I have a, an entire degree in women's studies. So, oh, there's a podcast you. about it. You can look it up. That's how I found out about it. My brother sent it to me. There's a whole podcast that explains the entire history of the feminist background of pockets and. Amazing. We're going to link that in the show notes. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, it was like really daring. So then when women did have pockets, it was like a secret pocket. Oh, well, there's no pocket like a secret pocket. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, okay. So question for you. You've mentioned that you sell on Shopify and that it took you a little while to get up and running. Can you talk to us about how you got started selling on Shopify and what that process has been like for you? Sure. So first we were on Squarespace and I can't remember why. Um, and I, I don't remember. I'm not laughing at you, but we've heard this before. We've heard that before. Okay. But even now when people tell me I'm on Squarespace, I'm like, but you're not a dentist in Idaho. Like you're selling something. Get it on Shopify. Like that wasn't built for you. So anyways, I, I had the whole site built on Squarespace, not myself. Like I had someone do that. And then when I transferred to Shopify, cause I saw that it was going to be easier and they had a bunch of apps that I wanted to use that weren't available on Squarespace. Um, it ended up that Squarespace had like I, an app or something where they read all of your inventory and information on Squarespace and they transfer it. And I swear it cost me like $63 and maybe 12 minutes to transfer everything over and then just have a few edits applied by a web designer. And then um, I kept just using more Shopify apps and more um things that Shopify offers to just enhance the site and and make it so that there's as little friction as possible. And I still haven't done everything I want. You might've heard recently with that big town hall that they did. Um, They're now offering gift cards without purchasing the app. There's all these other things now you could do for free on Shopify. So I still have to take advantage of all that and upgrade it, but I couldn't be happier with them and with everything that they offer and, and how streamlined everything is. For sure. And also, if you are tuning in and you did not listen into the town hall, we recap all of the releases and all the announcements that were made on our first episode of this podcast. So we will link to that in the show notes. Oh, great. Yeah. So speaking of Shopify apps, what are some of your favorite apps that you use? Hmm. Where to start? Well, the most (laughs) recent one I learned about is Kit. Have you seen this one? Yeah. Automated like automated ads and promotions. Um, I think that's brilliant. Um, what other apps do I have there? I don't have the messenger one for that. I use drift. Um, I don't remember all the names. I'd have to go into that. <laughs> that's okay. We Not totally in. put you on the spot too. Like this was no warning. We're just like, Hey, what else I don't do remember you use? The names. No, because you know why they're so streamlined that they're there and they're almost like invisibly working behind the scenes. So I'm not hyper aware of them. That, that's I the know perfect I, kind of app. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, like maybe I added it at one point and then I forgot about it because it's just running behind the scenes. The reason I know about Kit is because they send me text messages and, you know, I have to respond. Um, and then the gift card one, I was going to add that and then they made it free. So I'm not adding that one. Um, I'm trying to think what other ones. There must be some that are like, for the way that the website actually looks with the color options. Like you can choose whether it's petite or regular and then choose your size. Oh, mm. the scarcity. I think there's one that highlights scarcity. So let's say there's only three left of a certain dress, right? And a certain size that will mention that. So you know whether you should you know, move now to put, place your order so it doesn't get sold out. Um, there must be another app that I'm not using where if the size is sold out, you can just get on the wait list and then you can add your email. Sign up like a back in stock notification. Yes, I need to add that. Um, I saw Mara Hoffman has a really, really good one because as you're selecting the size, it's already letting you know. 
before you've even yeah. put in your size, you're just scrolling down and you're seeing that that size is sold out, but it doesn't say sold out. It says add to wait list or get on wait list, something like that. So I need to do something like that for Shopify. Awesome. That, what email client do you use? Or e- MailChimp. MailChimp? So are you using the ShopSync app to connect your customers over into MailChimp? Listen, I didn't even know that that was the name of that app. <laughs> I use the shopping app. What about you? Guys? <laughs> well, it's our it's our jobs to know the names of, of lots. That's, that's, that's so what that's I do a, for a living. So yes, yes. I've been using the shopping app since the beginning. Um, <laughs> there's another there's another app I think that just made it onto the Shopify universe. Um, Octane, O I or Octane, Octane AI. AI. They're actually sponsoring this episode. Yes, they are sponsoring no this episode. Way. Are you kidding yeah. me? Well. I've personally spoken on the phone with their founder. <laughs> That's awesome. This was like the perfect sponsor plug. I think they're going to love this. <laughs> He's the nicest guy. He's the nicest, most generous guy in the world. I just like set up something to see how it worked. I didn't know anything about it. And I was expecting a demo from a sales rep, right? And it was him. I was like, why are you doing your own demos? Do you not have enough people working for you? He's like the founder and the CEO. And he's like, oh, no, I like to do some of these. You know, it keeps me in contact with the customer. And then we ended up speaking about Arlen Hamilton. And we ended up speaking about all yes. these things. And he was like, he was telling me, and then you want to add Clavio. And then you want to add this. And he was telling me all these things. He's like, and this you can't afford yet. But when you have these many shipments, then you add this. And it was like, I was writing everything down. Like, oh, okay, one day when I am selling tons of dresses, these are all the apps that I'll have to get. But I saw his announcement the other day that they became part of the Shopify world so i was they're, the, they're now a shopify plus app partner yes That's it, they are. Yeah. well well deserved because they're doing amazing things that i'm so happy to to hear that you had that experience and that you were able to talk to um yeah mm-hmm. that's just that's such a great experience for apps to do uh i try to take three to five merchant calls a week just to like tech, wow. just to check in and I think it's such a great practice for app companies to have because it just huh. it makes sure that you actually know what's going on and you're not just like in your ivory tower building an app yes. being like you're right. oh, yes I'm you're building right. apps for you as opposed right. to hey let me get this feedback in real time so I right. I already was a huge fan of Octane I mean we love them obviously they're sponsoring us but I loved them independently of that so I'm so happy to hear that you mm-hmm. had such a positive experience with them Okay, so yeah. quick pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you your brand is centered around being ethical and elevated. Mm-hmm. Can yes. you talk to us more about those core pillars of your brand? Sure. Can I do it in reverse? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the elevated part came from being sick and tired of buying things that look cute on the rack or maybe look cute on the website, but then when you actually feel the fabric or wear it a few times, it was no longer looking that way, or it, it didn't have that integrity of the fabric. It would pill, even if I had only dry cleaned it, it didn't perform in the way that I would expect a dress or let's say a pair of pants to perform at that price. And so the more you learn about fashion, the more you learn about the different things that go into the price, you learn about how you're paying for things that you're not benefiting from. Like you paid for that ad in that magazine, or you paid for something that isn't directly related to the dress you're wearing, right? And some of that you understand, like when you buy a perfume bottle, you know that the majority of what you pay didn't go into the juice, it went into the packaging, right? But I wanted to make it so that when you bought a dress, the majority of what you paid went into the fabric because by creating a dress that had the best fabric available on the market, you were going to get a dress that you could wear over and over and over again. And that was necessary, that wasn't a choice because the entire branding, the entire reason behind the styling was I was saying, these are classic styles. These are timeless styles. You can wear these dresses today. You can wear them in five years. You can wear them in 10 years. You know, your mom can wear them. You can wear them. I can't say that with a straight face if it's going to pill after you've dry cleaned it five times, right? Great. The style held up, right? It's not, you know, the cold shoulder sweater that you're not going to keep wearing next season, but it doesn't look nice anymore. It's falling apart. And I had had that, you know, with like fast fashion type clothing I had bought. So that's what informed the elevated. I wanted it to look really 
nice and professional and um, sort of not needing translation. You could wear it in France, you could wear it in Miami, you could wear it in New York, you could wear it in Hong Kong, and you would transmit that energy of, I look really nice, I can go anywhere in this, I look polished, I can go into any restaurant, into any party and feel good and look great. Um, so that was something that I couldn't deviate from. And it ended up making everything expensive. It, you know, it ended up making just the dress way more expensive than I would have liked. But I had to just accept that, right? And then the ethical part just came from wanting to work with people in a way that I could respect myself. I wasn't okay with sending this off to some random factory that I had no idea how they were treating their employees and then working in these small little um, garment factories in in New York and meeting these people and some of them didn't speak English and, and, and you know, learning about them and their families and um, their problems with immigration and visas and all of these things. I, I just felt like this is the right way to do this. I, I only want to make sure that I'm working with factories that treat their people well, that um, care about what they're doing, that are happy doing what they're doing. And so that informed, again, everything else. And then I worked with um, Nadia Spencer Bradshaw, who's a production um, specialist, a production manager, and that was always her thing. And that's what she's always focused on in her career and with the brands she works with. So it was all very aligned and one thing fed into the other. And um, it was just something I was already interested in before it became sexy or yet another marketing talking point that more companies were interested in, in pushing. It was just something that was inherent to me. I didn't even know that it was something I should talk about. It was later working with branding agencies that I was told, you need to mention this. You need to mention that they're made in New York City. You need to mention that you're working with these small um, production, sewing and cutting uh, companies, um, sometimes, you know, owned by a single woman or owned by a husband and wife team. And so that's when it became part of the, the three main branding pillars, ethical, elevated, and easy. I absolutely love that. I think it's really important to have those, those types of people in your circle to kind of help, especially when you're new to e-commerce in, in particular, right. just running a business entrepreneurship, having that guide to, you know, talk you through what is the best practice here? What is going to help me with my sales? So I'm really glad you have that. Thanks. So we are going to shift a little bit to what we like to do at the end of each of our episodes, which is a store shout out. So if there's an online store, uh, a brick and mortar location, or even just somebody who has inspired you, I'd love for you to give somebody a shout out. Yes, I want to give a shout out to a very new company, also direct to consumer, and they're called Brown Girl Jane. They're actually out of California. Um, they are owned by three women. They were recently founded to help women have access to the highest quality wellness and health products that include non-THC CBD in them. So they have creams, they have tinctures, they have um, a glow serum, and they have this very limited um, group of products. And their website is Brown Girl Jane. And one of their founders, Ty Beauchamp, who's also in LA, has been doing a lot to help people understand what it takes to found a company, what it took for her to join the two sisters who also founded the company with her. And when you go on their website or on their Instagram, you actually learn way more than you thought you would learn, not just about health and wellness, but mental health, for example, or what these ingredients are, what we should be um, thinking about with the current conversations with Black Lives Matter and with everything from working from home to figuring out how to manage our crazy days. And it's all very on brand with their products, but it's also feels like you're getting more out of it than just another place to buy uh, a skin cream, for example. I think that story component is so important for brands. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at their website right now and they nail it. You see that? It's not just beautiful, but you're like, I want to hang out here. Exactly. Right? <laughs> that is that is your end goal for your website. So this is this is amazing. Yeah. And Thank if you, you go so to their Instagram, experience. you'll see you'll say things like that. Or sometimes they'll do lives with different people and you're like, I'm so lucky I'm part of this conversation. And really you're not, you're listening in, but you still feel like, oh, I'm lucky I got to hear this tidbit of this person speaking with this other person. Ah, oh, I love it. I That's love wonderful. it. 
So yeah. Kelly, why don't you share your store of the week? Yeah. So my store this week is called Luella. It's mm-hmm. L-U-E-L-L-A. It's shopluella.com. I think their stuff is super cute. They have a bunch of shirts that are like support women-owned businesses and sisterhood is powerful and, you know, just really like uplifting kind of things, especially for other women. And I am totally going to be buying one of their support women-owned businesses shirts because I've been staring at it for like two weeks now. (laughs) I just got to buy it. You got to do it. You got to do it. It's time. So my my store of the week is – overtone.com mm-hmm. and I was I was remarketed to very successfully on Instagram and it's essentially a deposit only conditioner you can put in your hair so I'm not I'm immunocompromised so I'm not going to a hairstylist or anything for a very long time and my color was looking like a little bit weak and it just oomphed it up and you just put it on once a week and that's and that's that. And I I think, I mean, not only A, is it a timely product, but B, it's a really cool product because let's say you have a teenager or or you, for instance, want to try, I don't know, rose gold color. hair or, or you know, mm-hmm. blue hair. Like that's not something I, w- I would personally would do for a long time, mm-hmm. but like total respect if that's your gig. I, I just, I'm like a redhead type girl. And it, it's a way to try new things out that you might not have tried before. And I, I like that they've given that moment and also it smells great and it works great because mm. I did I've done it tw- I've done it twice now <laughs> <laughs> does it work on hair that hasn't been dyed it does it um it, they have a line for darker hair that it just deposit only and it just adds a little from what I understand it adds just a little bit of a hue to, mm. to your hair so it just oomphs it up like zhuzhes it up mm-hmm. um last cool. question where can we find you on the internet? So happy you asked. The website <laughs> is purewetnyc.com, and that's P-I-R-O-U-E-T-T-E-N-Y-C.com. And on Instagram, it's at purewet underscore NYC. Phenomenal. Thank you so much for coming on our show today. We really appreciate you. your time. Thank you for and having me. It's been so fun. Of course. It's absolutely been our pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks again to our sponsors for supporting this episode. You can subscribe to Commerce Tea on your favorite podcasting service. We post new episodes every Tuesday. So grab your mug and join us. See you next week. Clocked in is a time clock for Shopify. With Clocked In, your team members can easily clock in and out of their shifts from anywhere. You can manage your team's hours as they work remotely with an intuitive interface that can be used from desktop, tablet, or mobile. Check it out at clockedin.io or in the Shopify App Store.